B Corp has a great structure and framework in actually measuring your business impact. And you can sort of see, oh, well, here's where we're not doing so well and where we can improve. Hi, I'm Darren Woolley, founder and CEO of Trinity P3 Marketing Management Consultancy, and welcome to Managing Marketing, a weekly podcast where we discuss the issues and opportunities facing marketing, media, and advertising with industry thought leaders and practitioners. The advertising industry is incredibly competitive, with agencies competing for share of business, a share of an advertiser's budget, and a share of the talent in the marketplace. But in the last few years, we've noticed a rise in not just the number of independent agencies, but also their ability to compete with the larger network agencies. One of the ways they're doing this is by having a strong and clearly articulated purpose or set of values. It not only differentiates them from the competition with advertisers, but it also offers a clear strategy for attracting talent. One agency that's done this very well is Paper Moose, a purpose-driven independent agency where strategy, creative ideas, and specialist expertise drive positive change for brands, communities, and the environment. And they're also a certified B Corp. To discuss this approach, please welcome to Managing Marketing Podcast, the CEO, ECD, and co-founder of Paper Moose, Nick Hunter. Hi, Nick. Hi, Darren. Lovely to be here. Uh, interesting, those uh, acronyms in there, you know, CEO, ECD, you know, uh, are you also the coffee maker and the um, uh, director of uh, good uh, humour and joy? A hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, as, as a, you know, a startup, you always have to wear many hats and uh, over the last sort of 13 years, I've pretty much existed in one or many of the roles within the business, so... <laughs> well, my advertising career, I went from the fifth largest agency, I think it was in Melbourne, to the 50th largest agency. It was quite a significant jump. And one of the things that I really appreciated in a much smaller agency was the fact that you had the opportunity to do many different roles. And I think that it's so important because that way you learn the breadth of operations, not just the depth in your particular area. Yeah, and I think the difference is, you know, I, I look for capabilities rather than focusing on titles. You know, a lot of our people are multidisciplinary, um, you know, creative talents, and uh, that always works much better in a business like us. If, if you're super specialised in just one thing, it's kind of difficult to... Uh, yeah, it's just not it's not super usable um, in in the size of business that we have. Now, Nick, this is your first agency, isn't it? You've you came from uh, acting and you set up an advertising agency, and I'm really fascinated why. Because every time someone says to me, "I'm starting an agency," I go, "Yeah, of course, that's just what the world needs is another agent's advertising agency." <laughs> but um, what, what was the motivation? What was the sort of the thinking or the opportunity that presented itself to start Paper Moose? Uh, look, it, it, it's always been, you know, uh, a, a attempt at more control over being able to be creative and uh, commercially viable, really. Um, you know, I started as a, an actor, you know, at the whims of so many different stakeholders. So we started Paper Moose originally as a production house to create, you know, long-form entertainment, um, short films, TV, all of that kind of thing. And 
and really, um, you know, fell into advertising as this incredible way to make art and um, and, and get paid for it. Um, and then it kind of just grew out of that and, you know, suddenly we realised the power of advertising as a medium to do good or, or bad and, um, and that's kind of where it really took hold and, and so that's been sort of our focus is, you know, using advertising as a force of good um, and, and building off those principles and, and working with clients that are, you know, nudging the world to a better place, um, and we want to we want to sort of create a world where those organisations reign supreme. So, first of all, um, I've just realised that you started a trend because you know Ryan Reynolds and all the other actors have jumped on board starting their own agency. You know, do you do you feel like phoning them and saying them uh, you know, thanks? For, I was here uh, first. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, copying is the highest form of flattery. So you know. yeah, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I, I wish I had the profile of uh, Ryan. Otherwise, our um, acceleration in, in growth would have happened a lot faster. I think. <laughs> And then the second thing is the idea that advertising can be a force for good and evil or good and bad uh, is an interesting one because, you know, for a long time I don't think anyone ever thought about it. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean I'm mean, i not I'm not 100% sure because, you know, we, we are a little bit of an outsider in that way and, you know, we apply storytelling and, and creativity into solving business problems and we sort of focus in on the businesses that we choose to work with um, being ones that we deem kind of good organisations and, and, and doing better for the planet. Um, so, and I guess, you know, like the latest referendum is a great example of, you know, advertising and storytelling being used in um, in, in bad ways um, and, and the power that that can have. And, and destructive um, outcomes. So, you know, concepts like good and bad come down to personal values and ethics, mm. don't they? They do, you know, yeah. There's, there's the, the famous quote, one person's freedom fighter is another person's terrorist. It's a yeah. matter of perspective. So, so I guess has it come down to defining good and bad based on you and your co-founders' sets of values? Or, yeah. You know, or is there something bigger than, you know, or broader than that? I mean, it, yes, you're absolutely right. It's it's deeply personal and, you know, I run a podcast called The Mucky Middle, which is all about finding the balance between, um, you know, being a purpose-driven organisation and commercially successful. Um, and I guess it is, you know, understanding what is your theory of change. Um, you know, I believe that commercial businesses are the best vehicle we have at our disposal to make positive change in the world because the, yeah, and, and also, you know, the larger the organization, the larger impact that we can have. So I guess it's understanding, you know, what are the intentions of that organization and what are their aspirations and how can we help accelerate those things um, and, and make them commercially successful while doing good? Because obviously doing good while not being commercially successful it, <laughs> um, doesn't lead to <laughs> any kind of good outcome for anyone. Well, it, it's a, it is an interesting conundrum, but one that I think was uh, beautifully answered in the quote that you know, breathing is to humans what profit is to business. Mm, you, know, you don't you don't live to breathe, and just as businesses don't just make profit, there's opportunities beyond that to give you a reason to run a business. And I know because, you know, next year it'll be 24 years for me running Trinity P3, 13 years at Paper Moose. You know, 
the motivation that gets you up in the morning, I imagine, isn't uh, to make a profit, although you do need to make a profit to have something to get up to every morning. That's right. Yeah. If I, if I wanted to make boundless money, then I'd probably do something different but um, or do it differently. But I guess it is... Uh, and just going back to the, you know, the ethics question of, you know, so we, we have an, an ethical charter. Um, you know, there are certain things that we will not work with in, like gambling, um, fossil fuels, um, anything to do with sort of uh, fast finance or anything that you can see that there is a clear um, harmful outcome with, with the product. Um, and what about some of the emerging ones, such as, you know, um, did you say fa- you know, high sugar uh, foods or uh, fast foods, um, uh, soft drinks, you know, so uh, particularly the sugary types, you know, because it's an interesting, you know, to your point about the mucky middle, you know, where, where do you draw that line? And it, you can't really draw a line forever, can you? Because things change. No, that's right. I mean, so we, we just have a hard line in the sand on fossil fuels and, and gambling um, and, and fast finance. And then everything else that might be a little bit mucky, <laughs> it will kind of have a discussion, talk about what are all, you know, the company's personal, you know, with all of our staff and talk about, you know, do we have issues with this? Um, here are the pros, here are the cons, you know, here are the intentions of their environmental um, standards and, you know, where they're pushing the business. Uh, do they have an intention to sort of move towards a better product that is going to be better to the health of um, their consumers? Or if there is just a total void of, um, I guess, good intention, then that would be a questionable choice for us, for sure. Yeah, because uh, I worked for a number of agencies where the ethical standard was if it's legal to sell, then they'd work on it. And that included <laughs> everything. At the time, included uh, tobacco, alcohol, you know, whatever. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we look at it as, you know, what is your license to operate and in very much in that kind of... The social uh, license, you mean? Yeah, what is the social license? Um, do And I guess, you know, what is the unintended um, bad effects of, of the business and can we help them mitigate those um, by building purpose into their business? And obviously it's easier with businesses that... Uh, startups and, and new businesses because you can help them build those foundation foundations in the business from the ground up, like what we did with uh, Felix Mobile with TPG Telecom. But yeah. you know, with older legacy businesses, it's, it, it is more difficult, and I can understand um, the struggles that they face in trying to retrofit um, you know things into their business model and and, and talk about those things um, if they want to talk about it. Yeah, it's because when we talk about businesses based on, uh, you know, doing good and having ethical standards, they're almost always ones where the founders have set those standards, you know, whether it was the original Ben and Jerry's or, you know, and, and it's always the same big corporations that come up. But it is, it's an interesting uh, concept yeah, and I think Unilever have tried to negotiate that. Yeah. But even they have found that, you know, not every brand is necessarily up for having a, you know, strong defined purpose. Sometimes they just exist because the product fulfills a need rather than having a, a higher purpose than that. 
Yeah, and, and I think that's where you know you, you define of is this something that I need to talk to, about to the consumer or, you know, yeah, like the the mayonnaise example is a good example of that of like no, 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 no one no one necessarily cares about that. Um, they can still do good behind the scenes and and maybe solve some of their problematic supply chain issues or whatever that might be, um, but whether you need to like communicate that to the end consumer is is something different. Well, I think that whole, you know, whole of life ownership of a product is becoming increasingly important that, you know, the environmental considerations are not just about cl- the climate crisis, that more and more, particularly manufacturers are starting to look at, you know, owning, owning the product. Yeah, from, I mean, Pol- you know, Polestar's going to- for like a... I think Polestar is going for um, their manufacturing to be zero um, carbon neutral um, in their manufacturing process by 2030. That's incredibly ambitious when you think about the manufacturing of a car and everything that would go into that. Um, And you have those outliers that are, you know, really leading the way in all of these processes and looking at that circular economy and how can we, um, you know, uh, Coskeller, a furniture company that, you know, we're talking to at the moment, they're, you know, really interesting in their ambitions and, you know, changing business models and changing the way that we consume as a uh, society um, and designing solutions to sort of fit a future that sort of benefits all. It'd be interesting to know whether any of that uh, zero emissions comes from offsetting because, you know, I think, yeah, one of the things that uh, is clouding the whole issue is where organisations are going, we, we have zero uh, net zero outputs, but then you read the fine print and it's just because they're pouring a whole lot of money into offsetting or carbon credits or whatever. And I think we'll see a lot more tighter communication around that specific issue because the offsetting is like, you know, that's your bare minimum. That's where you, I guess you need to start and then you actually need to figure out how to actually um, not need to offset but actually make your entire system um, carbon neutral or, or ideally carbon negative. Well, yeah, because, you know, carbon's a good measure of activity and if you can reduce the carbon, uh, you're actually reducing waste, aren't you? Yeah, that's right. And and you're right, the carbon, the whole carbon market is a bit of a... <laughs> a, a uh, opaque um, and, and you know there's a lot of distrust in it as well. Trinity P3. Obviously, you know when you're starting the agency um, and and this idea of based on doing good, you know we can use our skills and talents to do good. Uh, one of the things would be finding a way of actually substantiating or, or adding meaning to that. I'd imagine that's where um, going for B Corp certification would have been an important consideration. Was that pretty much the thinking or? Uh, it was basically because we, we were trying to analyse what our positive impact was uh, yeah. and, and it was really hard to actually measure the impact of the good things that we were doing. Um, and B Corp has a great structure and framework and actually measuring your business impact and you can sort of see, oh, well, here's where we're not doing so well and where we can improve. So that, that was actually the reason that we did it um, okay. was so that it gave us that framework and ability to sort of measure our positive impact on the world. Um, but I guess the 
the unintended effects of that is, you know, it, it's a good trust stamp um, that our values are deeply, uh, like, all the way to our company constitution that we exist for all stakeholders, um, not just the shareholders. Um, yeah. And and I think from an employee value proposition, that, that has been super transformational for us. Now, I've heard a, a number of people that have gone through the process say that it's incredibly rigorous and resource and time consuming. How long did it take you from making that decision to, to getting uh, certification initially? Uh, it, it took us about two and a half years um, right. to, to, to go through all of, because it's mountains of spreadsheets and, and, and basically um, actually documenting all of the processes that we already had but probably hadn't uh, documented um, and looking at, you know, where we could improve and, and how we could sort of actually uh, measure a lot of the things that we were doing. Um, so, yeah, it took two and a half years. Um, Josh, my co-founder, led the charge on it, fortunately, um, because he loves spreadsheets more than I do. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> he's written a funny article on it of, uh, you know, all the reasons not to become a B Corp. Um, but obviously the, the flip of it is you should become a B Corp. Yeah, um, of course. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so it, it is quite, you know, and you'd want it to be rigorous. You don't yeah. want, you know, just anyone to be able to, um, walk in with without sub, you know substantiating um, some of the issues, and you know there there's been a lot of um, discussion recently around you know Havas's uh, B Corp status in the UK and the Shell account and how I was going to raise that with you separately, but okay, uh, yeah. Um, but just getting back to that process, I I imagine it was also one that the employees could get involved in as well. It wasn't just senior management doing this. There's an no. opportunity to engage your employees in this process, isn't there? That's right. Because if you imagine that each project is like 0.1 or 0.2 of a point and you have to get above, eight, I think, 80 points, I think it is. Um, so there's millions of different projects that you can sort of get people on board and, you know, task them with and then they have ownership of, you know, where the business is going and sort of some of the focuses in sustainability or um, social good. But, yes, so it's a really good way of engaging um, employees as well. Uh, you know, there's some, um, I've seen a few people outsource the application itself to consultants which I, I think is a funny way to do it because you're not really embedding a lot of the change in the business if you do that. Whereas if you get everyone involved and a part of that sort of transformation and um, detailed analysis of the business, then you have total buy-in. Yeah, because you know, the types of uh, questions and requirements they have actually get the team thinking about what are the implications of their day-to-day behaviours? You know, the things that uh, in many cases people just do instinctively suddenly have consequences or, or there's an impact associated with it. And, uh, and that would become a very powerful um, transformation driver. 100%. I mean, if, if you look at even our film shoots, because we do a lot of production because we're sort of a hybrid creative and production model, um, that has sort of transformed a lot of the way that we 
because production shoots are very wasteful in terms of the amount of plastic and you know the type of food that you serve and all, all of that kind of thing. So we've gone through all of our processes to make them um, as as um, carbon neutral as possible. Um, but it's a really hard um, hard thing to sort of remove plastic from a film shoot. It's just very hard. Mm. And the other thing is that uh, a lot of people think you get certified and then that's the end of the process. But there's actually a constant process of recertification, isn't there? You can't just, it's not a, a set and forget. No, and, and I think the process is about to become a little bit more rigorous as well. So we're, we're about to go through our research uh, now and you could basically over-index in one areas um, and, and be less good in sort of one of the other areas. So now you have to be sort of good across all of um, the three sort of aspects. Um, so There's a minimum standard in every area. That's right. So you might be really good in environment but less good in governance or something like that. Um, so, yeah, you have to be great across all of those things. Trinity P3. One of the things that um, brought uh, Paper Moose and yourself to my attention is all of the things that you've been doing, you know, for the broader advertising industry around, you know, uh, creative and psychological safety, you know, um, um, gender equality, mental health, you know. So, so you know, be interested. That's obviously sits within the sort of ethical standards or the values that you have bringing to the community being, in this case, the advertising community. Yeah, and, and that, that, that initiative, um, like the Drop the Shade initiative, which is evolving into its next uh, creative version um, at the moment, it, you know, that came from the team and from the people and, you know, we very much encourage our staff to, if they see something that is problematic in our industry or in something that we're doing in our processes or something that, they're empowered to actually make that change and bring it to us and we'll support it and fuel it and um, that becomes part of their, you know, day-to-day. So, so Jeremy, um, our creative director, has very much been spearheading that project because, you know, we saw the, the damage it was doing to our staff and, and, and people that, you know, maybe didn't have as thick skin as, uh, you know, an ex-actor. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, in, in, a, in a publication that should be about celebrating the work and, you know, sure, um, you know, criticising it but understanding how to, um, I guess, communicate criticism and... Um, in terms of growth and yeah. and making the industry better, yeah, there's there's different types of criticism. We're talking about the uh, unmoderated un, uh, commentary section of campaign brief, yeah, which uh, you know sometimes has some very witty and and quite positive feedback for people, yeah. which is not a bad thing. But you know, has increasingly become a place for a whole lot of trolls to just vent their. Uh, the, I guess their frustration, anger at their lack of success in life, so they take it out on anyone else that uh, is, seems to be doing something. Yeah, I mean, it's become like a 4chan um, kind of toxic environment that no one should sort of go into. So yeah, we've totally boycotted the publication and, um, you know, are, are doing what we can to try and make change in that space and try and persuade them because, it, it, you know, it's a simple change. All they need to do 
remove is the anonymity around the comments and that would solve it. Um, or just moderate them. Yes, or, or yes, or just moderate them, which should be the basic um, yeah. hygiene factor for any kind of um, platform like that. But yeah, yeah, no, it's a, it's an interesting one. Now um, you mentioned it, and I want to come back to it, and that is the um, you know because the value of any certification system is the the standard that they hold to. And uh, I think everyone was pleasantly surprised when Havas uh, was given B Corp certification. And now there's a whole lot of controversy because they've taken on a fossil fuel client uh, as a client and have justified it uh, with the argument that this gives them the opportunity of helping to influence the client's behaviour from the inside of the tent <laughs> rather than uh, from being on the outside and, and refusing to work with them. Yeah. I think, I, I've, I mean, summed, I think I've summed that up reasonably yeah, you have. Uh, diplomatically. You have, you have. I mean, you know, for me there is grey and then there is black and white and, and you know, Shell has shown zero intention of, um, you know, they have missed all of their... Uh, self-imposed deadlines to shift the business. Like there, there doesn't seem to be any kind of intention uh, for them to transition rapidly to um, a, a green energy future. Um, so the idea that Havas could justify that being inside the tent could help in that case, like let's be real, like, and, and it's also the media side of it. So they don't even have control over the, the communication the and the messaging. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah, you're just distributing an agency's message. So you're distributing propaganda and propping up um, a, a problematic industry. So for, for me uh, and, and for the business, you know, that, that's a pretty clear cut and dry case of they shouldn't have B Corp status. Um, and, and it does cause, I, th I think it brings that, that brand of B Corp down by businesses doing that. Um, so, so it's hard because you do want, you know, you do want massive businesses like Unilever and organizations to have B Corp status. But if the intention is to use it as, uh, you know, a greenwashing or um, a screen you know, while they get on with the dirty business of making money behind the scenes at any cost. Yeah. And, and I think it's also been justified by splitting up the businesses under different, um, you know, yeah, different entities under the same brand name, but it, it still has that. So I, 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 you know, we talk to B Corp a lot, and we're, we have quite a close relationship with B Labs in Australia, and and they are engaging and and figuring out how to navigate this particular situation, and and, and situations like this will continue to come up um, because the intention of B Corp is that you know hopefully the B Corp status becomes kind of a hygiene factor and that everyone is a B Corp. Yeah. Um, and so that will require difficult conversations and, and, and navigating this mucky middle. Trinity P3. The thing is that a lot of the communications are actually quite dangerous, you know, and there was a BP ad that said it was uh, you know, basically proposed that they were 100% carbon neutral. Now, I'm not <laughs> sure how a fossil fuel could be 100% carbon neutral. I'm also not sure how any agency or any creative person could in good faith write that. 
Um, yeah. Unless, yeah, even based on uh, if you offset 100% of the carbon from that uh, litre or gallon of petrol that was being sold, how it, that justifies it as being carbon neutral. Yeah, I mean, some of the breaches, and unfortunately, the ACCC is cracking down on a lot of those things. Um, but yeah, some of them are just outrageous in, in what they're saying and, and trying to communicate to the public. Um, just crazy. And the other danger is that it builds up cynicism in the, in the public, the general public, because with all this uh, greenwashing, that they start not believing any any of it, so that the companies that are doing something and wanting to get recognition for it are then being ignored because it gets written off as uh, as just more greenwashing. Yeah, or, or you have this green hushing where you know companies that are doing great things are concerned that you know it might be perceived as greenwashing, and so they're concerned around how to navigate. So we do a lot of work in helping companies navigate you know, what are they doing in this world and, and how can we help communicate that? Should they communicate it? Does their customer actually care? Do they Should they just do good in in secret? And, and that's kind of, that's the best thing. Um, so helping co- companies navigate that in this particular climate is, is really interesting. One of the things you said earlier, Nick, was that uh, it's much easier for startups. Um, it... it from the perspective of the companies you've worked with, and you don't have to name any of them, do you find most of them come to you with a clear set of you know, values or at least a, a purpose in mind? Or is some of the work that you're doing at Paper Moose is helping them really define what that purpose is and what that actually means for their business? Yeah, we do a lot of work in that space of helping, I guess what we call branding from the inside out, where we build their mission, vision, purpose, um, or or help refine that if it's an older business and and trying to uh, create purpose in the heart of a business that has existed for hundreds of years, say, Um, you know, what is the unintended ill effect that they do? How could we, you know, mitigate those things by doing a, you know, a really interesting project that um, offsets that in in real terms? and then potentially talk about it. Do you find most of the focus is on environment or as increasingly the full range of corporate social responsibility is, you know, including uh, gender equality, diversity and inclusion? Are these more and more on the agenda for the companies you're working with? Yeah, I think we've been probably over-indexing in sustainability because I guess the climate crisis and, and, and I, but I think we are going to see as people, as different businesses navigate the idea of purpose and, and what is actually authentically, um, what the business is authentically connected to, we'll see a much more diversity in that space. Um, and we're already seeing that a little bit. Um, but yeah, at, at the moment is very focused on sustainability. Yeah, and I think sustainability is because it seems to have a higher visibility hmm. in yeah. generally. You know, it's a, it, it's a very uh, of the moment because of the crisis. You know, the, there's a deadline. You know, there's 2030 and there's 2050, and and so whereas you know many of the other issues and most of them arise from the uh, 
United Nations sustainability goals. Yep. You know, th- these have then, you know, moved through from the UN to the various countries. There's now, you know, uh, governments are, are putting in legislation around things like the Modern Slavery Act and, uh, and, and gender equality and, and the like. And we're seeing that particularly here in Australia. Um, but for the, the environment seems to get, you know, and the, the uh, climate crisis seems to get an inordinate amount of focus, whereas there's so many other issues that need to be addressed as well. Yeah, and, and we, we did a lot of thinking on this with our Buy One, Give One initiative where, you know, we focus on giving um, time and resources to organisations that are helping decarbonise the planet, um, specifically because a lot of the other issues come out of um, knock-on effects of climate change. Um, so that that's kind of why we focused on it as well as a business. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I think you're going to start seeing a lot of changes around, you know, um, focusing on specific issues that they can have control with, but also a lot mm-hmm. of commercial businesses, a lot of the problems that they're, un, you know, they're cre- un- unintendedly creating will generally be around sustainability issues and, and what resources are they using to give you said product um, and how can they sort of reduce their impact on the environment by giving you the product. Do you find with this focus that... Um, uh, is it marketers or corporate uh, strategists or procurement seem to have more focus or interest in the work that you do? Um, or the so C-suite? Yeah. It, it's quite across the board. I guess it's people that are switched on to, and I guess a little bit deeper in, in the space, but we're definitely seeing a lot of interest from procurement. Um, like, you know, massive um, companies now have specific targets to reduce their, you know, scope three emission. So, you know, bringing on a B Corp can help them do that um, as, as sort of shorthand. So I, I think we're going to see a growing um, a demand in, in procurement itself. But I think marketers that understand their product and, um potentially see an opportunity in pulling another lever in, in the purpose space uh, in terms of differentiation, um, then they're, they're pretty savvy to it and, and will approach us in that way. But also, you know, we, we have lots of businesses that that isn't their focus and they just want to do great, effective, creative, and, and that's cool too. Yeah. Oh, look, the reason I raise it is that uh, we've noticed a big change in uh, procurement focus in the last five five years, probably a little longer, you know, from before the uh, the pandemic. And that's the move, you know, there's still a, a cost uh, control component, but it's interesting how most of these issues around sustainability, uh, diversity and inclusion um, and, and, uh, and, and the Modern Slavery Act and so on and so forth uh, are very much driven by procurement under risk mitigation. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, this is why it's top of the agenda. And yet, and, and the reason I raised it is that I've also had conversations with a, a handful of marketers that go, particularly for um, sustainability, they go, my job is to drive consumption. Yeah. 
If I'm driving consumption, how do I reckon, reconcile that with sustainability if the organisation is not producing a sustainable product or service? That and it's an interesting conundrum. conundrum. Yeah, it's an interesting <laughs> one because, you know, if your job is to drive consumption, then... Which is essentially what we do in advertising. Yeah, then it is a, uh, an, it's an interesting uh, conundrum to, to come to terms with. Particularly if the rest of the business is not on, you know, on board and and focused on making the product more sustainable, that that is a, a difficult issue to handle. Yeah. Well, I think the solution to that will be have to be for another day because unfortunately, uh, time's got away from us. Uh, Nick Hunter, I've really appreciated you uh, making time and sharing with us the uh, the process that you've gone with uh, Paper Moose to. Uh, to become a successful and, and flourishing uh, B Corp uh, agency in, in the Australian marketplace. Absolute pleasure, Darren. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, look, I've got a question before you go, and that is, you know, if, if yeah, as a pitch consultant, I came to you with any category of, uh, an, of, uh, of advertiser, of the three that you named that you won't work on, for the right amount of money, is there one you'd actually accept? Mm-hmm.